Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and it is Thursday, September 27th. This week, after five attempts, Florida finally won approval of its Federal Education Accountability Plan under the Every Student Succeeds Act. Education Commissioner Pam Stewart hailed the acceptance as an indication that Florida's efforts are taking the state on the right path for a strong education achievement. She noted, for example, the state's growth in the 2017 national assessment of educational progress, while others remained flat. And she said Florida will continue down that path. But just as quickly as Stewart issued her positive statement, a group of civil rights activists criticized U.S. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos for making the wrong decision for Florida's most vulnerable students. Today, Mari Corujedo, State Director for LULAC Florida, joins us to discuss those concerns. I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us I found it really interesting that right after the federal government announced that they were going to approve Florida's plan for Every Student Succeeds Act, you all came out and it's almost like you predicted they were going to do this and and they weren't going to change things. How did you know? (laughs) Just the way way they are when we address certain issues. You know, we've been addressing issues, especially for our ELL population for a while. And... um, even though you meet with them, you discuss things with them, and even if you bring facts and research, um, they always do not even consider the recommendations that are coming, and these are recommendations that will really benefit the students. So, But, you know, we continuously do it. Um, it it's something that I think that we all should get involved in, and um, unfortunately sometimes it just, it's just gets neglected by those uh, who are making decisions in behalf of our children. Well, When they announced this, Commissioner Stewart came forward and she right away talked about how Florida is headed in the right path. It's doing great things for student education and success, and and this plan will help. You said that the federal government made the wrong decision. In what way did they make the wrong decision? The wrong decision in that um, we cannot ignore the subgroups. Um, There are certain subgroups that continue to... Um, stay behind in the achievement gap, and this is something that 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 it's is not um, just you know owned by a certain community. It's different communities that always have certain subgroups that tend to do a little worse than others, and um, and sometimes the districts do not put the appropriate uh, um, a systematic programs in in order to develop what needs to be developed. Some children come in to school behind when it comes to reading because they don't have access to to early education or some others are English language learners um, that don't have the language and yet are assessed just like every other student. Um, Then you have children who economically cannot afford and when they're struggling they are not able to get tutors and the academic help and support that they need. Sometimes the parents either work or don't have the academic support necessary to help their their children. And these are the subgroups that kind of fall behind. So if we go ahead and kind of 
just lump them all together, it's thing is something that is not going to be helpful to children because the, what what we can see with this data is where do we have to move when it comes to closing achievement gaps and 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 achievement gaps is something that is kind of misleading in the in a sense because um you could kind of you can manipulate the data in any way that you want but the reality is that children who usually fall behind are usually because they don't have the early learning either they don't have the language or they don't have the means to get the support that they need now doesn't the state already track children by ELL status, by socioeconomic status, and by racial status, in addition to that lowest quartile, is that not good enough? They do, but I think that one of the things that that, that um, they kind of lump together now is the way they report, um, the reporting. So you, you're not going to get to see exactly what's going on with each subgroup. So we want the reporting and the data on the subgroups is very important so we could kind of see areas that need improvement. So that lowest 25 group, the state says that within that group are so many of the subgroups that they're talking about that it's almost duplicative reporting to give additional information. Is that just not accurate from your point of view? It's not that it's not accurate. It's just that once you lump it all together, um, when you get the lowest 25, you have to, it would be great to have the different subgroups so you could identify the different needs that each subgroup has. Because ELL learners and SPED children and um, children who don't have um, the means to, to tutoring and, and, and are socially um, and economically in a disadvantage have different needs. And the only way you could address those needs is if you actually get those reporting on the subgroups so that you could identify the needs, identify the problem, and then go ahead and, and see what plan of action can be created to kind of ensure that every child gets the same, um, you know, equity when it comes to accessing their education. Okay. Now, what do you take about the plan and its approach to... English language learners and the testing language, they just consistently stated that Florida has a large population of English language learners, and yet they don't want to provide tests in any other languages than English. And, and it is ridiculous. You know, that, that is a point that doesn't make sense. I think um, Florida is considered an English only, and no one is, is, is saying that any language is going to replace English. But the reality is that in order for a English language learner um, to succeed and tra um, transition proficiently into a second language, we need to do what other countries do. And we have to invest in other languages. And our children go to school and they're not exposed to that. And the English language learners must have their academic language provided in their home language so they could get the standards so they could get the comprehension and all the skills that they need in the language so they could do an easy transfer into a second language. That is just basic langu language acquisition, which is not happening. They do not invest in, in language in the schools. So many of our English language learners have to go to school and they provide more tutoring in English when in reality what they need is more of a, a grade level academic language instruction in their home language, and that's not being provided in many of the schools in Florida. The other thing um, that 
providing these kids the assessment in their home language for all the areas that is not English, that you're not testing English, will make you see if they know the skills. Because when you put the, the, the test in English, now you're, you're testing them at a language that they don't, they don't understand. So they're already at a disadvantage. So it, it depends. My question to the state would be, what are you assessing? Are you assessing if they, if it's a science test, the skills in science? So then why not provide that in their home language until the student feels comfortable to take it in English when they, they are truly proficient in that? That sounds a lot like the conversation we had about computerized testing and whether, uh-huh. whether students were being tested on their computer skills or their knowledge, and yet the state seemed to back off on the computerized testing to a large degree. Do you know why they're not doing so with this language requirement? To be honest with you, it's it, it's I think it's more of politics in the sense of 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 in taking a stand that they don't want any other languages than English. But it's it's ridiculous because if we truly look at the benefits of other languages and infusing other language into our culture, the benefits will be enormous for every single child here in, in Florida and in the United States. Being monolingual is not a good thing. We, we, what we, you want to do is make sure that children, like in other countries, they are taught different languages, and that way the brain, everything works differently. And children do tend to achieve better when they to manipulate and are able to work through different languages. And there's something that, to be honest with you, even though the research is there and the data is there and the results are there, um, it's something that, that has not occurred here in Florida, and I just don't understand why. Were there any other parts about the plan that, that stood out to you? Because I remember there was a discussion at one point about whether English language learners and other students would be held to the same standards with the same test score results is that has that been resolved well um well the state did go back to the two year to providing these children two years at least to um get you know to acquire english before being assessed but like i said it, it it comes back to to everything we're saying that if these children were assessed in their language in their home language and home language assessment test um, were a base of looking to see the skills that they have in science and math and um, and social studies if, in areas that where that is tested. Um, then you could see test the skill. But when you're testing them in English in a language that is not foreign to them, because right now they are in the process of acquiring that language, then you are putting them at a great disadvantage. Now that the federal government has approved this plan, what can you do in order to ensure that the students are still well represented and that they that they aren't overlooked? I just think that um, we have come to a point where everybody's in their camps, and um, this school of choice has taken a different meaning, um, where people need to understand that it's it's a way to defund our public education system, and that we need to start choosing elected officials that really value education and public education because that's where 90% of our students are and that we need to get stop trying to over test our children but really looking for real solutions that are is going to that are going to close those um, achievement gaps and bringing everybody into a conversation and a real way to come up with solutions is a way to go ahead and move forward on this but we need to start electing people that really 
know and understand the value of public education and really care about providing equity and access to every single child in Florida. Let's pretend that that doesn't happen just for a second and that, the, uh -huh. that people uh -huh. stay pretty much the way that they are. How, uh -huh. how can schools or parents or even students make sure that they get what they need and advocate for, for everyone in the way that you're discussing? This is the problem. The problem is that, it, you know, it's very easy to say that the districts and the teachers are not doing what they need to do inside the schools. But when you take away resources and much needed resources that are needed in the schools to provide these instructions, because let's take the English language learner as an example. The English language learner requires a home language teacher. Okay. So if the district does not have the money to implement that program, then it's going to affect the English language learners and the reading teachers who are not able to provide the instruction at the level that that student needs in order to have to have that child access their education. So we need to understand that yet we need to keep everybody accountable to what they are required under the Constitution. And the Constitution of Florida is very, very clear as to every child should have equal access. So we need to make sure that we elect officials that are going to do that. And, you know, we have an opportunity now in November. And if that doesn't happen, again, we're going to be addressing these issues for years to come. Do you have any plans aside from campaigning for people in case that things have to keep being changed and pushed and prodded? Um. Not so much about campaigning for people, but I do campaign for the needs of children, um, of what's needed. And sometimes parent, as parents, um, we don't understand, understand that we send them to school and, and we, we just think that that's enough. Um, we need to get engaged into our schools. We need to get engaged in the conversation of curriculum and what, what's really happening and help support our, our parent associations to make sure that whatever programs are not being uh, given at the district level, at least that, you know, the community could come and do some type of support for the school. But again, it's not going to be enough. Without the, the funding from Tallahassee for these programs, we are always going to be ahead of the, of the ballgame. I always like to ask, is there something that I'm missing? Is there a question that I'm not asking that you have a really good answer for? It's just that... I think that the, the the time has come to understand that public education is really under attack and that we as a community, regardless if our children attend or don't attend, need to understand that we had opportunities because of education. And we need to make sure that we have those opportunities for children for years to come. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and um, I'm sure we'll keep in touch as this issue goes forward to see if it gets resolved. So thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for calling us. That's the end of our conversation and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to participate and chime in, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. To continue following the latest in Florida education news, go to our blog, www.tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. We've just started a new podcast hosting area. It's called Art19. I hope that you will continue to follow us and share this podcast. We love having you listen and sharing it so more people can hear what we're talking about. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.